0: When I was in law school, at a time when I was not practicing my faith, I was privy to a conversation between a committed evangelical classmate and another who was strongly atheist. The evangelical kept giving giving his personal testimony about his faith in Jesus Christ, laced with copious references to scripture, which the atheist promptly rejected. He argued there was no proof to which the evangelical brought out more scripture quotes. And so it was wash, rinse, repeat. What I recognized was that my evangelical friend was essentially answering the question, what do you believe? But my atheist friend was really asking, or at least arguing, but why do you believe it? Unfortunately, they were like two ships passing in the night. Although I was not really practicing my own Catholic faith at the time, I felt that there was something more meaningful in this Christian's testimony, at least as compared to the nihilism expressed by the atheist. Still, I couldn't help but sympathize with the atheist. Our Christian friend seemed unable to answer his challenges. Citing scripture didn't seem to be very helpful in proving the authority of scripture. Later, as I rediscovered my faith, I learned that as Catholics, we base our faith not only on the fullness, or we base our faith on the fullness of divine revela- revelation, which includes not only sacred scripture, but also sacred tradition, both of which are held in line by the magisterium, or teaching authority of the church. But why do we accept any of these three things? Scripture, tradition, or magisterium. The answer is that we look to the apostles, those who carried the teachings of the Christ and the testimony of his life, death, and resurrection out into the world. That is why we say in the Creed every Sunday, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. It is apostolicity that is the basis of our confidence in the remarkable claims that the Christian faith makes upon us. It is because the Christian faith has been so consistently practiced and handed on by the apostles and their successors that we can believe in the truth of the gospel message. As St. Paul said when challenged on this point, for I have handed on to you as of first importance what I also received. Yes, it's true of course that we can survey church history and see that certain outward forms and practices within the Catholic Church have changed and evolved. But we also see that the substance of the faith has been consistently present always in the Catholic Church. Like Christ, it is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. St. Paul reminds us that it is this apostolicity that is the sure guarantee of our faith, that Christ appeared to save us, then to the twelve. After that, a Christ appeared to more than 500 brothers at once, After that, he appeared to James and then to all of the apostles. St. Paul claims his own apostolic authority in the same way, though, of course, Christ appeared to him in a different manner than the others. This apostolicity is expressed in the sacrament of holy orders by which the original apostles, through the laying on of hands, as recounted in the New Testament, could ordain successors to their apostolic ministry. This was not some post-hoc rationalization developed by the church in later times. Rather, even the earliest Christians recognized the succession of the apostles as the mark of the church. One of the earliest church fathers, St. Irenaeus, wrote in the year 180 AD, it is possible then for everyone in every church who may wish to know the truth to contemplate the tradition of the apostles which has been made known to us throughout the whole world, and we are in a position to enumerate those who were instituted bishops by the apostles and their successors down to our own times, and so it is also with us. Apostolic succession, which is found in the line of popes and the other bishops, along with their co-workers in the priesthood and the diaconate, is the surest sign of unity in faith, doctrine, and practice. When we say one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we should recognize that the Holy Spirit gives us apostolic succession as the only sure guarantee of the other three, oneness, holiness, and Catholicity, not because all of the successors to the apostles have been good or even holy. Indeed, if we look at some of the corrupt and even chaotic moments in church history, we know it must be truly the Holy Spirit which guides these men but through apostolic succession, the Church transmits the sacraments and the teachings of Christ that maintain her unity, her sanctity, and her universality. We see in the Gospel reading today our Lord calling his first apostles. Like us, perhaps, they had doubts. Yet he told them, cast your nets out into the deep, in Latin, duck in altum. They judged the truth of Christ's teaching by the fruit that it bore, so many fish that it practically capsized their boats. That image of a boat about to capsize from the bountiful harvest of fish is a good image for the church. Throughout history, we see a church that is often struggling, only rarely triumphant, sometimes zealous, but too often tepid, yet always, always maintaining the sacred doctrine, like a boat straining to stay afloat under a heavy load. But she has always managed to do so, sometimes just barely, because she is imprinted with the apostolic mark given to St. Peter and the other apostles. This mark tells us that our faith is one and the same as that taught on a lakeside 2,000 years ago. One and the same faith that has been professed by every martyr and every saint throughout history. One and the same faith that is present at every Mass, including this one because it has been handed on, our faith, and will continue to be handed on in saecula saeculorum, forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.